When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time, the Newsweek with Tom Morris. And it's going to be your biggest and best one yet. Oh, I'm not sure about that, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. Confirming the preliminary final times and venues, Collingwood v GWS, 7.40pm Friday night at the MCG. No shock there. Saturday twilight, Brisbane v Carlton, 5.15pm, which would allow the Blues to get home if they won on Saturday night and have... Uh, seven days into the grand final. How do they arrive at this decision, the AFL? Just what I said. They, the the Brisbane-Carlton game, in my view, was always going to be that twilight time. If there was two games in Melbourne for prelim finals, there'd be Friday night and Saturday night. Um, but because uh, one of those games is interstate, they bring it forward to twilight. Do we like that, Scotty? Do you understand that? Given that if Carlton... Uh, no, the Giants now have a six-day break and they've got to travel. Uh, it's not overly fair for the Giants but it's not about the Giants. It all sits with Collingwood and Brisbane and they've sat up as Friday and Saturday and Collingwood deserve, having finished on top, they deserve the extra day's break leading into the grand final and unfortunately those teams that play them just have to fit in. That's the unfortunate aspect uh, and there was nothing that could be inverted. In a sense, Port went into the game last night uh, with less break than the Giants. So they played Saturday night last week. So they had exactly seven days. Uh, The Giants played in the afternoon. They flew back to Sydney last Saturday. But then Port had to fly on Sunday back home. So there's always ways we can look at it where a team is disadvantaged. But that's Port's lot because Brisbane finished above them Mm. and that's how it's fixtured. And I think now that you've had a week off before the finals, all clubs have less to essentially get worked up about because you had that 10, 14-day break. Um, it was interesting chatting to someone at Collingwood the other day who said of their first 14 games, in about 10 of those, they played, their opponent had an extra day's break. Really? Yeah. So just an anomaly of the draw. So Collingwood had a real focus in that start to the year because of that's what they faced. Projecting mm. forward, that's going to be a one-sided crowd, so, isn't it, on Friday night at the MCG? It's going to be awesome. And it's only a few years ago that the Giants beat the Pies in a prelim final. At the MCG, which was an incredible game in itself. And it was against the grain, wasn't it? Yeah. Like Collingwood were coming uh, off a grand final the year before and so forth. So, as we said, the Giants winning at 11 different grounds. The ground holds no fear for them. They've had that approach this year, which holds them in really good stead, notwithstanding arrested Collingwood, who played really strong football a week ago to find them way into a preliminary final. Tom, health is wealth at this yes, time of the year. I think David King says it's the most important player out there is yeah. the health of the team. Injuries, though, for Collingwood and the Giants. Let's start with the Pies. Well, you speak to people at Collingwood and they seem certain that Nick Dacos will play. I heard what David King said during the week on Dacos not being a certainty, um, but unless I'm being lied to by people I trust, they believe Nick Dacos will play. <laughs> And Scotty, I've been lied to. Little disclaimer there. Wouldn't be the first time or the last time. I've been lied to before, but these people have never lied to me, and they tell me Dacos will play unless anything Uh, goes wrong from here on in. 
just seeing the vision of Friday night, he looked sharp and he was playing in the match practice. So I can mm. say, see no possible reason based on that vision that he wouldn't be playing. And from the start, they said, I think, six weeks. Um, that was best case. Best case. Which, best case was to come in for a prelim. No, six weeks would have been semi-final week. Seven weeks is prelim. So um, we expect him to play. Uh, the other one is Taylor Adams with a hamstring. Mm. This is a rotten blow. So it's considered on the low end, but a typical three-week hamstring would see him miss a grand final. He will not play the prelim final, um, and he's up against it to play the grand final if they win. It's a rotten blow because he did it at training as well. So it's not like he even did it in the hustle and bustle of a game. Um, so that, that, that hurts the pies, doesn't it, Scotty? Oh, it, it does, no doubt about it. Um, a huge loss. Hopefully... It seems that it's only on the minor end, but if we look at just the time frame, I think from doing it to a Friday, it's 15 days to the grand final, mm. so it would be a really tight turnaround for him. Kieran Briggs for GWS with a left shoulder. He's a watch at the Giants, but I listen to Adam Kingsley after the game. I've checked in with the club. I expect he'll be fit to play Collingwood on uh, Friday night. He's important for them, isn't he? I love the I love his career arc. He's sort of come from the clouds. He's signed a new <laughs> deal in the last week or two. And uh, yeah, he's, he's a big, big boy. He's, a, he's very important. Well, Callum Ward referenced it last night after the game in turn, when they were asking about turnaround in form and you got your game going. He specifically mentioned Kieran Briggs, Briggs coming into the team and the impact he's had. And we'll be speaking to Isaac coming in the second hour so we can touch base with him and see how big Briggsy is as well. The North Best and Ferris, Tom, that was on last night. Please tell me, Nick Larkey... One? No, Nick Larky came second. Harry Sheasel won. The first player that I can find that has won a best and fairest in his first year at the club. Um, so Nick Larky second and then Bailey Scott came third. Thoughts on that, Scotty, given that Nick Larky had an uh, unbelievable season and was was he named on the All Australian bench? He was, yeah. yes. Well, as a sitting <laughs> committee member of the <laughs> forwards brigade. You're not happy. Well, and you've got to park because Harry Sheasel had a fantastic season. But I would have thought, and I was just looking – uh, Larky's kicked 71 goals in a team that didn't kick many goals. He didn't have many opportunities. So I, I was trying just to find um, goals kicked for the year to get a percentage of score. And he would, by a, a country mile, have the most um, percentage score because Tex kicked 76 off a 21-93-point season. North Melbourne kicked 16-57 and he's kicked 71. Mm. So he was so dominant for North Melbourne that... Um, any thought that he'll ever win a best and fairest is now dashed because I don't think he could have played any better. And Sarah, Sadly. as you said before, he can't play against North Melbourne. Exactly. So unlike no, Charlie Kerno and Taylor Walker, who get to beat up on these sides, well, he doesn't get to beat up on North Melbourne. What more can a player do to get yeah, a best and fairest? Uh, there's nothing more he can do. And it wasn't even three or four votes in it. It was about 25. Mm. It was at 197 to 170. So there was a bit of a gap. And you know what? Your point about... They can't beat up on them. We've seen how much more difficult it is against, say, for Charlie Kern over the last two weeks, against quality Tom McCartan and Stephen May, where it is far more difficult to play. And I thought Charlie competed so well on Friday night and it was really significant. But in terms of kicking big bags, it's bloody hard to do against Stephen May. So even on that, yeah, the Sov left a few goals out there because yeah. he didn't get to play against himself. So Benny Lyon, our producer, <laughs> tells me the first player since Darren Mead at Port Adelaide in 1997 to win a BNF in his debut season. Darren Mead was 26 at the time. But the big thing is there was about 15 debutants in that Port True. season because it was their first season. It was. It so was. there's a very good chance it was going to be a, fir a first year AFL player.
Taryn Thomas finished sixth despite not playing till round 12. Wow, that's a massive result. Yeah, it came on very strong, Taryn Thomas. Um, so but, yeah, go if, even if you looked at Taryn Thomas's votes, I think he had north of 100 on half a year. Larky 170 on a full year. You can't say Taryn Thomas's impact, his half, if you extrapolate out, was anywhere near what Sorbs was. You love him, don't you? Sorbs a star. Yeah. How can you not be when you just think? Because <laughs> I think sometimes we rate forwards both on what they do but how they do it mm. and the how they do it sometimes has, is overly represented or respected whereas Sulf just keeps kicking goals and he kicks accurately he's a well. dead eye yes he's you're right eye. he's efficient he's a great target I mean if every game who else were you going to guard when North Melbourne played you're going to mm. some of their other forwards respectfully uh, are, are just finding their way so double triple team just drop back on Sulvlaki we might need to start a, a hashtag bit. here. Uh, Justice for Suva. Justice, Justice for Suva. <laughs> is he a friend of the show? Have we had him on? No. He is now. Yeah, you'd love him. Honorary. You've never been positive, this positive about anyone all year. Oh, Tom. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Oh, Sam, that sorry, gr- aside from Asava. I'm not that grumpy. <laughs> I can get a bit grumpy yeah. at times, but I just think um, it was a huge effort for yeah. him this year, and I, w- I was surprised to see that. Notwithstanding, Sheasel is going to be an absolute star. I would like to see Sheasel play in the front half next year. Yeah, I'm not year. sure he will. He should. I think the plan is for him to play a combination still of halfback yeah. and maybe a bit of midfield. So. Park the halfback, mm. get him in the forward line. He's just too – he has too much class mm. not to be there. The Tigers, Tom, they're still without a coach. What's the latest thing? Well, Melbourne's defeat on Friday night now opens the door for the Tigers to announce Adam Uze this week if they want. It could be Andrew McWalter. They're the last two. Cal Toomey's reported that as well. Um, there's no reason it can't be wrapped up now in the next 7 to 14 days. And I imagine that it will reach a point in pretty quickly. Um, it's just about what they want. Adam Uze came second at the Giants last year, second at Essendon. McWalter is the incumbent um, of the last five candidates. Uze is the oldest. McWalter is the youngest. Uh, I'm intrigued to see who they select here because you'd think that the incumbent has the runway to get the gig, but Uze's put forward a very strong case. He's tactically very proficient. He's been at Hawthorne, a successful environment. He essentially coaches Melbourne on match days in 2021 when they won the flag. It's an intriguing decision they've got ahead of them. There's also a cautionary tale when it comes to caretaker coaches though, right? There is. There is a cautionary tale, yeah. McCall's had a fair crack at it. Like they had a, he had a, he had was, a long run. Aside from... Uh, Mark McVeigh last year. I would say that he's probably the longest serving. Ruse certainly had a long run at it in 2001, two, just before Did he, he half took a over. Season? Yeah, he yeah. had quite a bit. And I that think, worked out like okay. It, yeah. Worked out really well. well yeah. You've had, and Tom, you've had really good mail early on around Richmond. Do you have any gut feel yourself? No, I don't. I don't on this one. It's a very difficult one. I, I think they're two really highly rated people and highly rated coaches. Um, it- does it? Do you think it comes down? Is their philosophy to go? Um, have they decided on whether it's McWalter because he's been there, or will their decision be based on the presentation? Are they, yeah, I don't do you know. think? Yeah, it's interesting to see whether the incumbent he does he's to be beaten, or whether it's even Stephen, isn't it? Or in fact, whether they've always thought we want someone external. McWalter actually has to knock him off. It's just a mindset, isn't it, and a philosophy of what you want. And sometimes you can get too many weeks in the job yeah. and actually yep. it can work against you. And a couple of big losses for the Tigers I thought might have worked against McWalter, but he's still in there. Hmm. be interesting to see how that one plays yeah. out. What's happening this week at, at Melbourne and Port Adelaide? They're licking their wounds this morning. Yeah. But how does it look for the rest of the week? Well, from a trade perspective, Brody Grundy is the big one. Um, 
the Sydney Swans of the club, Sarah, that you must ima- you must be pretty happy that they're still in the hunt for Grundy. It's about how this contract looks now. It's really about how this trade and this contract looks. Um, this will get done. Grundy to the Swans. So, did Grundy be- meet with both Port Adelaide and Sydney? <laughs> and did Sydney get the jump on Port Adelaide? Uh, what do you mean by the jump? Did they get there first? Not, not that I'm aware of. Do you think, is that what your understanding? Do you mean timing, Sarah, yes. rather than perhaps the nature of yeah. what I, the offer is? Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, I don't know about the exact timing of the, of the two meetings. It was in the same week. But um, what I do know is that Grundy was more attracted to what the Sydney sell around lifestyle, work-life balance, everything outside of football than what Port Adelaide's was, which was come play at our footy club and you can be successful in footy. And Brody Grundy, there's more to Brody Grundy than football. So I think that really appealed. Also, the Swans can get the deal done far easier. They've got two second-round picks, two third-round picks. They've got money in their salary cap. See, I think the Brody Grundy deal is not a difficult one to do. And if you Port with no draft picks? Well, I think Port and Sydney are both helping Melbourne. So Melbourne shouldn't be wanting too much for it because part of what they will want is the ability to move that money off their books and so do other things. So what would you things. ask for then? They gave up pick 27, Melbourne. Well, it's a lot later than that. So mid-30s, late-30s? Yeah, it has to be because, yeah, okay. in a sense, Melbourne valued him at 27 and then they're saying, well... Yeah, we're we not got, playing you. Yeah, we're not playing we're playing Josh Shackey ahead. Yeah, like in inverted commas, this hasn't worked. So yeah. you can't go and then want the same. at the, But at the same time, you're valuing... You're trying to work out the value of what the opposition, how they rate it. And they're both, when you decide who you want to go, they're both very different quantities, aren't they? You're going to a two-team town that are fanatical about football, a lot of scrutiny, and he is from there, so he understands it, as opposed to a level of freedom around moving around everyday life without anywhere near as much scrutiny. Scrutiny, sorry. The other one at Melbourne is James Jordan. People around him expect that he will leave as a free agent. Now, he's a free agent because he was delisted a few years ago. So that's under the AFLPA guidelines. Once a free agent, always a free agent. Where he goes, I'm not sure, but that'll all take place this week, Sarah. And the VFL? VFL, they had their prelim finals mm. yesterday. Uh, the Brisbane Lions, they lost in the VFL and uh, the Gold Coast, they won. So we've got a Gold Coast versus Williamstown. Grand Werribee. Final. Werribee. Isaac Cumming and Hassaman join us next.